Hi friend, welcome to this week's podcast from the First Baptist Church of Nokomis, where we are building the kingdom of God through the lives of everyday people. If you are new, you can visit our website at fbcnokomis.com. Click on our visitor information page to sign up for our e-newsletter or to learn more about our ministries. We also invite our regular listeners to partner with us and support our digital ministries by clicking the Give Online button. Okay, I told Kim not to worry about the uh, sermon notes. I'm just going to speak from the hip from today's sermon, especially with kids around. I know it can be uh, a bit overwhelming, but this is the thick sermon that I want to give some highlights to, and I am representing this with the idea of what we say about angels. What do angels look like? Who are they? The Bible has a, uh, a large list of things that angels are. And a uh, little recap, last week I'm talking about role players. You can see it up on the screen. Uh, we talked about the role player Herod the Great, who is the antagonist. The Herod the Great, as much as he did terrible things, by doing terrible things, he opened up the opportunity to realize who Jesus really is. So Herod, the king of the Jews, was threatened by this birth of the king of the Jews, so he performed what's known today as the massacre of the innocents, any child in Bethlehem two years and under, and they were murdered. But Joseph and Mary barely escaped with their child, Jesus, who ultimately became the king of the Jews. So Herod brought down, Jesus lifted up, and then you have that part in the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 2. Today, I want to suggest the role player of Gabriel. Gabriel is in the background, and we often know the story of Gabriel in Luke chapter 2. Actually, Luke chapter 1 and 2, Gabriel goes to Zechariah in the Holy of Holies and says, uh, Elizabeth's going to have a child. Even though you guys are old in age, you're going to have a child. Name him John. John is going to be the precursor of the, the Messiah. And then in Luke chapter 2, Gabriel shows up to Mary. Now, I don't want to start with that, though. I want to start who angels really are and why Gabriel has a bigger part of the story than we ever give credit to. First of all, the Bible tells us a lot about guardian angels. Now, I don't know about you. You've heard me tell you this story, but I'm going to revisit it with a little bit of flair because my mom, she has made this story uh, just folklore in our family uh, for years. And the reason being is that she had told me when I was young, she said, everybody has guardian angels. We read in Psalm 92 about guardian angels who watch over us. And, and I asked, I said, does God appoint guardian angels? She said, she said, yeah. And I said, what kind of guardian angels? And she said, well, for you, probably some short stubby ones. And I said, what, what, why? She says, because you do the craziest things. You never seem to really hurt yourself bad enough, but you do the dumbest things. Like what? So she'd say, well, you know, like when you were two years old and we had just adopted your baby sister and Megan was in, anybody old enough to know when you put little babies in these seats that rock and they had chain links, right? And you had to lift the baby out and the chain links would come up with it. You couldn't hardly get them out. They weren't posts. They got smarter, right? They were really difficult to get babies out. She said, you remember that? I said, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. She said, well, we had that for all of you and you were two and your newly delivered sister was in it, and at two years old, we panicked because you and your sister were no longer in that room. And I said, where were we? She said, well, after a while of looking for you, we found you in the basement playing with her. Apparently, I was the two-year-old that took my baby sister out of that swing, dragged her down, boom, 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 got her downstairs, and we were just playing. She said, you were fine, everything was fine. So she said, I, I guarantee there are guardian angels who watch over you. I said, oh, and I said, what else? She said, well, like when you were three and your brother was five and he would ride his bike. 
didn't have training wheels, and your dad didn't want to worry about training wheels. He's like, oh, I don't last very long. So you're going to ride. You're going to learn how to ride on a, on a bike without training wheels. And so you were three, and you put your big bike next to the patio and jumped off on the patio onto the bike and took off. The only problem was you had no idea how to stop. And so when we came out, and you were sort of worried about the fact that you were riding a bike and didn't know how to stop, and you finally said, I know, and then you just, boom, crashed, tipped over. And I thought, maybe you'd kill yourself. And you got up and said, that was awesome. And that's how I learned how to ride a bicycle. She would go story by story. Remember that time you and Mark decided to get out on top of the roof? Why would we get out on top of the roof? Because apparently you just wanted to eat snacks on the roof. Well, what was I doing on the roof? I don't know. And I said, well, I do remember what happened. That's right. I got sweaty. And when I got sweaty, I slid right down the roof, off the edge of the roof. Thankfully, I landed in the bushes. My mom loved to tell me about the fact that I have guardian angels who make sure that I don't die. They make sure that they're there for me, but they also made sure that uh, they were a little late to the party at times, right? Every one of us has those guardian angels. The reason that I celebrate guardian angels today and celebrate angels is that I believe that when I... I kind of laugh about Harry and Howie and the nicknames I give them. I wonder what it's going to be like to someday meet them, right? What we know about guardian angels, we know about angels throughout Scripture. If you go back in the Bible, you can read the Old Testament. Uh, you can read Numbers 22 when uh, Balaam, his donkey stops and Balaam's beating the donkey. He says, what are you stopping for? And finally, Balaam's, the, Balaam's donkey speaks to him and says, don't you see the angel with the drawn sword in the middle of the road? The angel was stopping Balaam from going where he wasn't supposed to be going. Balaam's donkey saw the angel, spoke to Balaam. I never understood how Balaam doesn't say, hey, a talking donkey. Doesn't seem to surprise him, but he is surprised by an angel. Countless times we see angels, different types of angels, cherubim, seraphim, the living creatures in Revelation and Ezekiel. Cherubim, by the way, are the ones that are on top of the Ark of the Covenant, protecting the place, the Shekinah, the holiness of God, or the seraphim in, in Isaiah chapter 6. And with two wings they flew, and with two they covered their eyes so that they wouldn't reflect and see the holy of holy of God. And then, of course, with two they covered themselves. And it says, and they just worshiped God day and night. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Throughout Scripture, you have angels showing up in, in Hebrews chapter 13, angels unaware. Often it says that they could take on the appearance of humans and look like us, and you wouldn't even know that they were with you. They could be majestic, they could be living creatures, but they can also take the form of you and I and angels among us. Gabriel is one such angel. In the Bible, by the way, there's only two angels that are named, Gabriel and Michael. Most of us think of Gabriel at the time of Luke, when the Gospel of Luke tells us about Gabriel going to Zechariah and Gabriel going to Mary. But I want to introduce Gabriel sooner. And I may blow your mind for a minute, but follow me. If you've never considered this possibility, I want to share how the angels are a part of the message of God that crosses the landscape of Old Testament and New Testament that is an eternal cosmic story. Angels being messengers, Gabriel was first a messenger, not to Zechariah, but to, does anybody know who Gabriel spoke to in the Old Testament? 
Daniel. In Daniel chapter 9, Gabriel says this. While I was still in prayer, Gabriel came to me in a swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, and this is not powerful, right? As soon as you began to pray, uh, Frank Peretti wrote the book, uh, Piercing the Darkness. And what made the book famous was that he shared behind the scenes of a spiritual warfare. So while the pastor was trying to battle against evildoers in the town and working with the investigators at Clarion, the newspaper, and they're trying to figure out why the town is just sort of having this darkness over it, behind the scenes they find out it's a spiritual battle. That Tal and Guilo are these names of, of angels who are fighting demons at the same time. And the power in the book comes from prayer. That the more the pastor and others pray, the stronger the angels become. Daniel says, while I was in prayer, Gabriel came to me in swift flight. He instructed me, Daniel, I've come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out which I have come to tell you you are highly esteemed. And here's what he says. There are 77s decreed as a people for you in this holy city to put an end to the sin and atone for wickedness, to bring everlasting righteousness, to seal up a vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Know and understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, I think if you, if you have notes, you want to take something down, you want to write anything down, I'm going to show some numbers that are going to just kind of wow you and how God works things out. When Daniel is saying this, he's being presented as Gabriel as one who knows that the temple has been destroyed. In 586 BC, Babylon destroyed the temple. Gabriel comes to Daniel and he says, that temple's going to be rebuilt it's going to happen. It just so happens that Artaxerxes is said in his Ezra 7. It's time to rebuild. He gives them permission to go rebuild the temple in their city. 458 BC. Why does that even matter? Because when Gabriel says there's going to be 77s. Can I give you a little math this morning? Gabriel says first there's going to be a series of sevens. Seven times seven, 49. Why is that important? That's the first seven. Then he says the second seven is going to be 62 sevens. And then there's going to be this third seven. The reason the first sevens matter is seven times seven is 49. If you look at Numbers 25, it's called the year of Jubilee. Essentially, Gabriel is telling Daniel there's going to be time to rebuild the temple. And when that temple is being rebuilt, there's going to be a Jubilee. This perfect 49 leading into a 50th year. Gabriel goes on. He says there's going to be 62 sevens. 62 sevens covers the span from that year of Jubilee and the restoring of the temple to this temple worship and the people of God becoming a reckoning again. In fact, during that time, there's the Maccabean revolt. And basically, it's to say this. We are the people of God. We are restoring the temple. We are restoring worship to God. And nothing you can do is going to stop us. In fact, they became such of what Rome called a biting dog they gave up and said, fine, you have your worship. We'll give a compromise. You are so difficult as a people. We'll let you have that. Seven sevens, 62 sevens. Where does that leave us? There's a final seven. Let me tell you what it says before that final seven happens. No one understand this. From the time the word goes up, there will be a restoration, a rebuilding of the temple 
So from the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild the temple until the anointed one, the ruler, comes. If this doesn't give you goosebumps, I cannot tell you what power of God is made available to us today. If you're losing faith, you're thinking there's no way, this moment right here, it's the worst it's ever been, it's the hardest it's ever been. If you're thinking today is the last chapter in your life, in this world, in this plan, you have not read the Bible close enough. And if you only read Luke Luke chapter 2, it may be a nice angel story. But if you read it in the context of God's plan, you'll go back to Daniel and say, oh my goodness, he has planned it from the beginning. And Gabriel tells Daniel, there's going to be seven sevens. You're going to rebuild the temple 49 years. And there's going to be 62 sevens. Do you know what the math does of those 69 sevens? You ready for this? 458 BC. 458 BC was the time in which they said, you can go back and rebuild your temple. Now, if you take the period of sevens up to that point, it lands at 26 AD. Why is it 26 AD? Why is that special? Well, the Gregorian calendar was wrong. I'm going to just give you a heads up. Pope Gregory thought he would land on Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. But he was wrong. History history tells us that Herod the Great died in 4 B.C. Well, why does it matter when King Herod died? Because the last thing King Herod did was the massacre of the innocents. Because he knew a baby was born king of the Jews. Now I know I'm going to give you a little Jewish history. You've probably never read Numbers 25. It's not the most appealing book in the Bible. There's important value to it. It tells us in Numbers 25 that in order to be a priest, you had to be of what age? Any guess? What do we always attribute to Jesus for going into ministry? How old was Jesus when he went into ministry? He's 12 at the temple. 30. Numbers 25 says in order to be a priest, you should be of 30. That's why we always say Jesus went into ministry when he was 30 years old. Now, let's see for a second. If we decided that the seven sevens, the 49 sevens, landed 26 AD, and 26 AD is 26 years past, the four years of when Herod, when Jesus was actually born, Jesus is how old when the fruition of these 49 and then the 62 sevens come to fruition? Let me read Daniel again. Until the anointed one. What's the baptism do? The anointing of Jesus. When God says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Oh. Y'all thought Gabriel just showed up in Luke. Can you imagine Gabriel coming back the second time? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure about you, but I am totally geeked up about that moment, right? Like my mom and I would tell stories about about. Harry and Howie, and I'd say things like, what do you think it was like when they were like always having to figure out what I was going to do next? Like, instead of getting up and getting dressed and going to school, I decided to climb out on the roof of the house. Yay! Right? Instead of just taking the sled down the the route everybody else was going, I saw the trees, and I thought I could dodge every one of them like they do in the cool videos, right? Like, I saw Christmas vacation, and on the sled, and you move. I could do that. How is it I survived when I hit square on the tree? And I seem to miss the tree. I know Harry and Howie are like, oh my goodness, he is not seriously. Are you kidding me? Stop, stop. Okay, okay. Just make sure he misses the tree. I can only imagine from Harry and Howie's perspective. Can you imagine from Gabriel's? And Gabriel, who tells Daniel and goes to heaven, and God says, hey, 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 hey. It's time again. Oh, wait, 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 wait. 
What do you mean? What, 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 what time is it? It's time for you to tell Mary. Tell her she's part of the prophecy. She won't understand, Gabriel, but just tell her. In Luke chapter 2, Gabriel tells her to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over Jacob, over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. You imagine Gabriel telling Mary the fulfillment of this prophecy is now. In part, that this child born will be spared, will live, will be anointed, and will be Jesus the Messiah. When God sends a message, don't question the timing. A virgin, a peasant, a threatened life, a threat to her and her child. God's son, not murdered before his time. Jesus, anointed, who changed the world. Even when he was crucified, he rose again and made a covenant. And he made a covenant. He made a covenant. Wait, there's one more seven, isn't there? We leave that out. Is there one more seven? So there's seven sevens, and then there's 62 sevens. That's 69 sevens. He said there's 70 sevens. What, what did we miss? Let me go back to Daniel for a second. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end. Desolation will have been decreed. Oh, Daniel 9:27. But he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. Who's the covenant with? If the anointed one is then crucified, raises from the dead. Doesn't it feel like we're kind of in between the 69 sevens and the final seven? That final seven that's supposed to be the end will be this culmination of all. What's in between it? In between it is the anointing. The anointed one will make a covenant with many. I tell you right now, I believe we are the many. We are the church. This church age is the anointed time of which we tell people about the anointed one. And if you have lost hope because the world seems so difficult, so painful, just restore that hope with knowing that if prophecy was fulfilled once, it will be done again. The one who was is the one who is and the one who is to come. And while we are in the gap before that final seven, we, like Gabriel, are sharing a message of hope. This message of peace. I know we're worried at times and we're waiting and we're waiting, but find comfort in God's strategic plan that has already come true. And if it has come true, it will come true again. I can only imagine Gabriel wondering when that next one is to come. But catch this. Who do you think Gabriel's going to go to? Who do you think God is going to go to when it's that final time? Gabriel gets to be the messenger. Does anybody know what the Archangel Michael's role is? And the Archangel Michael will bring war upon the dragon. 
Revelation tells us Michael has a specific role. The only two angels mentioned in the Bible, one seems to be a messenger of peace and the other a messenger of God's wrath. I can imagine that last time when Gabriel says, is it now, is it now? And God will say, Gabriel, it's not time for you. Michael, now. We worry too much about the things in the present moment overlooking God's divine plan that has been set in motion since the beginning of time. And Gabriel gave us the message, and we, the church anointed, are to give that message further because there will be a time when it's Michael's turn, when the justice of God is restored once and for all, and we get to be a part of it. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. See you next time, and remember... God is building his kingdom through the lives of everyday people, just like you.